How you guys doing today out there? Thank you for attending another session of Leaders and Learners brought to you by Sand and Shores, where we tell true stories that have a powerful effect on real lives. Today and this month, we are actually observing Mental Health Awareness Month and Trauma Awareness Month. Um, Want to make sure that you understand mental health. It's a thing and it should not be stigmatized. And more and more people are building networks and bringing forth opportunities and resources to make sure that we all have what we need to preserve our mental health, make sure that we are stable in the mind, body, and soul. And today I have an amazing entrepreneur. She has, she's a founder. And that's important, especially for people of color. So without further ado, I'm going to allow her to um, tell us a bit more about herself. But thank you for being here, Miss Successful Brim. Hello, hello, hello. Hi, hello. Thank you so much for having me. Listen, one thing that we are very positive and um, enforceful about here at Sand and Shores is that real leaders are lifetime learners. And you, my friend, look pretty young. So I'm just trying to figure out how young you really are in this field that you are in, in the mental health space, and how much have you learned since you've been in it? Well, thank you for saying I look young. I'm definitely not as young as I look. What? <laughs> But um, yes, currently I am getting my doctorate in clinical forensic psychology. So I'm in my last year finishing up, but um, I do have my master's in forensic psychology and I attended Howard University where my um, actual bachelor's is in science. So my major was psychology. Hmm. Where Miss Felicia Rashad is now a dean, I heard that news popped off today. Congratulations to her. Um, and thank you for being here, Miss Bison. Listen, um, for the people that don't know, talk to me about um, forensic psychology. What is it? What does it entail? What does it include? Okay, so um, yeah, I've always been interested in forensic psychology um, and deals with uh, the criminal minds, um, you know, the aspects of competency. So um, a forensic psychology would psychologists would administer a competency exam to see if someone is competent to stand trial mm. or, or not, then of course they um, are sent to a facility where they are able to regain competency. Awesome. Oh, what got you interested in that field? Just out of curiosity. Uh, well, I've also teetered between wanting to be either a lawyer or um, a doctor of psychology. And my mom is an um, actual FBI agent. So she was telling me, oh, why don't you look into forensic psychology? And I never heard of it before. And then I looked into it. I was like, oh, I get to deal with uh, law and psychology at the same time. So that's how I got interested. Wow, I love it. And while you're doing this work, um, gaining your next degree, and educating yourself, you are also an entrepreneur. Now, yeah. pursuing higher education is already tough enough. 
but now you're running a business, an organization. Tell us about that. Yes, um, the Minority Psychology Network, I founded it in um, late 2019. Um, it's a really, really great organization. I always say I wish I had this organization when I was first getting into the field of psychology. Um, so what we do is um, it's a network of minority mental health providers and advocates. We spread mental health awareness through um, advocacy. We give psychoeducation, information, resources, and um, tools so people can understand exactly what it is to take care of your mental health. Um, we're a national organization. We have members in Texas, home bases, California. We have people in New York, DC, Maryland, Virginia, Wisconsin, Louisiana, Tennessee. Um, it's such an amazing organization. We also have interns that are provided to us by Brotherhood Crusaders. They were awarded. Hey. Oh, you know them? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, yeah. So um, they outsource um, at-risk youth to help them gain um, work experience in the workforce. So they uh, work for my organization and we're very happy to have them in order for them to learn about mental health and also how to work in the field. Now tell me, how long have you been running this organization? When were you founded? And then talk to me about how it was affected by COVID. Okay, so yeah, um, I started the organization in September 2019. I had a mental health workshop at Vector 90. Um, it was such a huge success. Um, I was, I'm not from here, from California. I'm originally from Dallas, but I moved here from DC. So when I was first planning the event um, with my um, friend at the time, I was like, I don't know who's going to come to this event. I was thinking like 20 people were going to show up. But, you know, at least I was able to put on this workshop and actually, you know, spread the word. But it happened to be a really, really great turnout. It was so packed. There was like no seats available. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was like over 100 people. And, you know, I really love the fact that people were like, oh, my gosh, when are you going to have the next one? You know, we need to have this type of stuff in our community, which is so essential. That's why I started NPM, because I noticed there's a huge stigma attached to mental health in minority communities. And being that I came from Howard University, I saw so many um Black people doing great things. And when I came to California, it was really limited. So I really didn't get to see it as much. So I was like, you know what? I want to put together an organization where people can see, you know, there are Black psychologists, psychiatrists, you know, and mental health professionals. And then also include other minorities as well, because we were pretty much taught the same thing as a culture, you know, about mental health, like keep it in your family. Our business is our business. You know, you're crazy or demon possessed, you know, so you know, pray it out of you. Exactly. Pray about it, you know. But yeah, so that's really why I started it. So being able to put together um, minority mental health professionals and advocates was so essential to me because advocates really helped normalize the conversation. You know, you got to be able to talk about it in order for people to feel comfortable to seek the help that they need. What is the most uncomfortable thing you've dealt with since you've started this organization as a Black woman founder, um, you know, as someone that looks maybe younger than you are. I know being a founder is, you know, tough. Women in this industry uh, might not get as much credence as men. So talk to me about the most difficult or uncomfortable situation that you've kind of been in in this position. 
Well, I will say this. It is challenging being a woman, a black woman, um, you know, but at the same time, um, I definitely understand, you know, black women, we're winning these days. So, you know, <laughs> that's definitely, um, I see as an advantage because we are, you know, typically like really strong and can power through anything. But, you know, being a woman at the same time too, you know, you do have dudes, you know, that, that flirt with you and may not take you seriously because mm. I like you said, you know, at the same time, but as long as you're a professional and, you know, keep everything together, then it definitely is something that um, I'm really like proud to say that I've been able to, you know, be successful in, um, you know, holding down um, MPN. And at the same time, I have a huge team around me. You know, everybody, a part of MPN is so passionate about what we do. And I honestly believe that is how we thrive so well. Um, each and every member, intern, employee, everybody a part of the organization uh, really believes in um, our work. And because of that, we um, actually just were awarded a $100,000 grant from Booz Allen. Okay. Um, yeah. So um, we are now having a mobile mental health unit that is being built. Uh, it's getting renovated right now. And uh, we're also having an app developed. So um, the app is actually going to connect individuals with minority mental health professionals. And once the mobile mental health unit is completely renovated, it's it's actually in D.C. right now, but it's going to come over here to California and then we'll be in um, minority communities and also providing resources and psychoeducation and information to um, essential workers. Mm. Yeah. So go back to your question about COVID-19. Yeah. So I was about to get there. Yes. Yes. It definitely affected us, but um, I would say in a minor way. And that's because um, before COVID-19 hit, we were already doing like virtual events because we are a national organization. We want to make sure that we can reach the masses. But at the same time, we were going to different locations like schools, workplaces and things like that. Um, doing panel discussions, we're traveling to Texas, you know, different um, places in order to um, do our panel discussions. Um, we were just recently asked to do our first in-person um, event this year, so we're excited about that. But during that time, we were thinking of innovative ways to still spread mental health awareness, being that our community was really impacted by um, COVID-19. Um, you know, essential workers are, is um, overfilled with minorities that, you know, are basically essential workers. So we um, were able to get approved for this grant, which is um, allowing us to, you know, reach out to essential workers and give them the resources that they need in addition to um, minority mental, uh, minority individuals. I love that. So talk me through how you decided to make it minority based instead of black only. African-Americans only, because you do see a lot of that going on now is people being very um, niche in their, you know, founding of their organization. So why did you um, kind of open it up, which isn't a bad thing, but I would love to know how you came to that uh, conclusion. Well, because I believe um, 
we were all pretty much taught the same things in um, our communities, you know, minorities about mental health. You know, it's you don't see a lot of um, of us as mental health professionals but you see a lot of our white counterparts as mental health professionals and people always say they want to speak to someone that look like them and that's really what you know one of the main reasons that stops them from seeking the help that they need because they feel like oh okay you don't really understand my story or where i come from or you can't really relate to anything that i'm gonna you know share with you and then i may feel judged you know so um, I felt like it's important to make sure that we spread awareness to all minority communities because of our, you know, um, upbringing and what we were taught. And you want to see more of us, you know, a part of NPN also is to create more minority mental health professionals. My goal is to make sure that, you know, when we have these interns and volunteers and then advocates, you know, that they like, hmm, let me go back to school and get my uh, degree in psychology, which we have had happen, you yeah. know? So that's what we want to do is create more minority mental health professionals. So that way, you know, all, you know, minorities could be able to receive the help that they need. Now, we're in a moment um, where there has been a lot, a rise in hate crimes, okay? Mm -hmm. And it's so great that you say they're here to service the minority communities because those seem to be the hardest hit um, when it comes to these hate crimes. Have you seen an increase in business uh, for the organization? And mm -hmm. how can you, um, how do you keep track of if you guys are doing well or if you should be doing more, should you be you know, in a more concentrated areas, like talk me through your business choices in regards to um, what's going on currently and how you make decisions for your business to ensure that the minorities that need the help get the help. Okay, well, that's a really good question. Well, um, definitely, I think COVID-19 has given people the opportunity to actually sit with themselves and they've gotten to realize like your mental health is really important like you know i'm feeling stressed um anxiety depressed you know how am i gonna feed my family am i gonna be working you know like all these different types of emotions that they may not even have had the opportunity to just stop and like realize you know what's actually going on with them because we really like only pay attention to our like physical health oh i got a cough you know or a broken bone or something like that, but not really like paying attention to self, which is so important because you can't operate at your highest self if you're not, you know, mentally there. So yes, I feel like MPN has been um, impeccable with um, giving the resources and information um, for this during this time. I feel we have had a lot of more people reach out to us, you know, asking, can we uh, speak at their workplace? Um, you know, we spoke to like um, employees about, you know, taking care of their mental health, you know, around the pandemic and then all the social injustices that's happening right now. And, you know, how to talk to your kids about what's happening. Um, we've also spoken uh, to different um, schools. So we have a partnership with LAUSD. So we mm. speak to them, you know, about taking care of their mental health. Uh, we just recently uh, were asked to speak um, to State Farm employees. Um, we spoke with Netflix employees. So it's a lot of different people that are reaching out to us in order to really get that psychoeducation because that's part of the huge problem. Um, that's why we have the stigma because we don't know. 
you know, and I realized when I was learning about this in school, like, oh my gosh, I never knew this. And I want to be able to share this, you know, with everybody, you know, you don't have to just, you know, go to school to get this information. If we have this information as an organization, we should be able to share it, you know, with anyone who's willing to hear. Absolutely. Absolutely. How, how much of a key role do you play in regards to picking the um, therapists that are on your network mm-hmm. and then the treatments that go to your, um, to your clients, to your customers? Okay. So we do not provide treatment um, okay. for strictly psychoeducation and resources. Okay. So um, yes. So, and we connect them with individuals that, that can treat them. Um, but what, um, I, am very, uh, play a huge part in who is a part of MPN. I, I pick those who are a part of mm-hmm. MPN. Um, I think that is very essential that, you know, um, if you're a part of, you know, our network, that you are definitely an advocate, that you believe in the work, that you're passionate, um, and that you would like to, you know, really believe in what we're doing in our mission. So, um, yeah. <laughs> if I'm a therapist and I want to be a part of your network, what what's your best advice? What are next steps? Uh, so we do have um, an application for you to fill out. In the application, we have a personality assessment as well. Um, of course, a resume and things like that. But I meet with you one-on-one. You know, I want to get to know you, you know, tell you a little bit about myself, um, understand why you're interested in NPN and why you're interested in mental health um, as a whole. And, you know, if you're willing to share your story with me, I'm willing to hear that. If not, you know, I really hope NPN can give you the courage to be, you know, able to um, feel comfortable because we are a family and we can share things with each other as well. So, you know, and I always say too, like the NPN, like our meetings and our events, it does a lot for me personally too, because, you know, we're all, um, believing and working for the same cause and it's just a safe space. So I definitely encourage anyone who wants to be a part of our network. Now I got to ask, have you had your own personal journey through um, mental health, mental health crisis and kind of walk us through what that looked like and how you are such a um, staunch advocate for mental health? I will say there's not a crisis at all, but I do feel like um, you don't have to hit that point in order to be, you know, an advocate for mental health, you know, and I really hate, you know, that it does get to that point for some people to really understand that I need to pay attention to uh, what's going on with myself. You know, I always believe that uh, your physical health is just as important as your mental health. I've just, it's always just been instilled in me and just seeing, um, like I said, black people do so well in DC, you know, they call it chocolate city. (laughs) Um, that really, really made me, you know, want to show others like, listen, we're doing it too. Like we're doctors, we're, you know, psychologists, psychiatrists, you know, things like that. And we also can provide you with the information that you need. You know, I hear a lot of my doctor friends say like, Some people come to them that don't look like them. They don't want to be helped by black doctors because they feel like, you know, you don't really know, you know, anything. I I need somebody that can really help me, you know? So um, that's pretty much why I started EPN. I just really wanted to be able to showcase and, 
um, show that, you know, there are competent Black doctors, there are competent minority, you know, doctors or mental health professionals, and we can create more of us and give you the information and education that you need. Dope. So I want to go back a little bit and talk about your mom and how you're kind of following in her path. So it sounds like you have kind of a liking for law and order. Well, you know, you know, it's so funny. Like I come from like a military and um, background of law enforcement. So military and law enforcement has been like, you know, my background. My dad was in the army. My mom's in uh, was in the Navy and she's, you know, in the FBI. So that's just been my, you know, surroundings and my upbringing. So, yeah, that's really and my mom, she actually, you know, she was like pursuing her different degrees while, you know, um, me and my sister was growing up. So I actually saw her firsthand, like, you know, studying and, you know, actually going to class and just, you know, pursuing being her higher self. Yeah. I want to talk about your undergraduate life a little bit. I was an RA in college mm -hmm. and I saw a lot of students struggle, right? Um, we see that a lot. Students struggle with, um, you know, being away from family. Some students struggle because of their family. Uh, students struggle with the stresses of school. Think back to your college years and mm -hmm. talk to me about what you can reflect on now and moments there should have been some mental health interjected into those moments and how your organization can be, can play a part in maybe collegiate life right now. Well, I will say this. Um, I was the type of student that worked all the time. <laughs> so like I, um, I had an internship at BET and then I got hired at BET. And then after BET, I went on to CNN. And then after CNN, I worked at CBS radio. So I was uh, really working like all the time. So I didn't really have that much of a social life. So I will say this, it is important to have a social life because you never know who you know, you're going to meet and who you connect with later on in life. You know, so, um, you know, just as long as you be able to have a balance between work and school, which is something that we just spoke to um, foster youth about, just being able to, like, balance, you know, work and school. So that comes with, um, you know, sometimes you may gain imposter syndrome, which pretty much has you believing that you're not good enough or that you're not doing enough, you know, that you have to keep going and going and going. And then what's happening isn't um, what you're doing right now isn't, you know, good enough. So I would say, yeah, that is maybe something that is really important that um, our organization can offer is to give you like, you know, information and psychoeducation about learning your self-worth about understanding that you are good enough and what you're doing is definitely going to help you right now, you know, in your future. And always, um, you know, have positive self-affirmations because, you know, sometimes we are like down on ourselves and, you know, making ourselves feel less than. So it's very important to make sure that, you know, you put yourself first and self-care is so essential. You know, sometimes we work so, so, so hard, we forget to take care of ourselves. And that's something that I have been practicing
self-care. You know, I have a, a lot of meetings every day and a lot of things that I have going on being that I'm finishing up my last year in my doctorate program. I'm running a company, you know, and I also want to have a social life. So, um, you know, I make sure that I set time aside for me to, like, take care of myself. So, yeah. I like that. Should there be some type of resources on college campuses, though? I know a lot of, a lot of trauma can happen um, in on the college campus. And looking back now um, with what you guys are offering and you have an app and, you know, you're continuing to expand and there's other organizations doing similar work. Should there be more opportunity for, you know, those that are more vulnerable or susceptible to crises? You know what? Yes. It was actually shocking to me to hear that some um, colleges don't have mental health resources because at Howard, we had that. So when I was speaking to students at different um, schools, I learned that some of them do not have that. Yes, they definitely should have resources, even if you don't want to speak to somebody at your school, because at Howard, we had... Um, we have mental health professionals, but we also had like the doctorate students like myself that would, you know, give um, therapy sessions to the students as well. But if you don't feel comfortable doing that, they should be able to outsource um, students to mental health professionals. They should have like a list of, you know, professionals that they can reach out to. There should be some type of like discount or free, you know, and the package, you pay all this money for tuition. Why not? <laughs> you know, and then they even have like healthcare benefits for students too. So mental health should definitely be included. Yeah. I, I really look back on those college years and think about even now with the reports that come out about the sexual assaults that are on campus, right. uh, young people that don't have support and resources that are on these campuses. It just seems like um, what you're offering would be a great resource to um, college campuses, especially like our Cal States and, you know, our UCs out here and even some of these private schools, but we need those to be able to really um, secure our mental health in these vulnerable times of our young lives. Yeah. We are actually looking to start chapters at different universities. Um, that is exactly what we have been in discussions about. So that's something that, you know, everyone can look forward to. We want to have MPN, you know, at Howard, you know, at um, different places, you know, Cal State, things like that. So that way they're able to um, have the resources and the help that they need. Who is your uh, ideal collaboration with? So talk to me about your organization and tell me who you would love to collaborate with, work with, um, you know, partner with. Talk to me about that. Um, I really love Taraji C. Henson Foundation. I love what they're doing. We have been in talks with them as well, and they're really excited about the work that we're doing and our bus. Um, so uh, we definitely would want to make sure that we, you know, collaborate and do something great for our community. So um, being able to solidify that partnership is something that I really look forward to. Um, and it's just really going to make a great change in our community. Yeah, I think so. Thanks for that. So listen, since we are on Leaders and Learners, I want you to tell me in this journey that you've taken, what have you learned? What has been your most uh, powerful lesson uh, through entrepreneurship and mental health? 
I learned you cannot do it by yourself. It takes a team. I mean, I would tell anybody, like, I'm so blessed and grateful to have the team that I have. I don't feel alone in this at all. Um, I never look at NPN like successful um, or NPN. You know, it's we are NPN. You know, I am the founder, but at the same time, I have such a great team that really ensures that we get the work done. So that is exactly what I've learned. I was the type of person just do it all myself. I, I got it. I got it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. And I'm still like my team is even helping me. Like successful, you don't have to come to all the meetings. Like <laughs> they're even helping me with that as well. But I'm just so hands on with everything. And I feel like, you know, if you, you know, hire these people and you entrusted these people to really help and, you know, believe in the vision, let them do it, you know? Yeah. That's what I'm learning. And that's what I have, you know, learned about myself in this process. I love that. So before we go, let the people know how they can stay in touch with you, follow you or support you. Yes. So, um, our Instagram is MPN. No, I'm sorry. That's the Twitter. So the Instagram is minority underscore psychology underscore network. Twitter is MPN underscore MPN underscore. And then our Facebook is the minority psychology network. LinkedIn is the minority psychology network. If you would like to follow me, it's at my real name is successful on Instagram and successful brim on Facebook. Oh, awesome. our website is the minority psychology network.org. Cool. Cool. I love that. So listen, guys, I want to thank um, successful for being here with us. Make sure that you check her out at all her socials. You'll be able to download this on Spotify and you can find her and this interview on sandandshores.com and on all of our socials, which is sand and shores, but she's doing great work. If you want to get involved, be an advocate, hear more about the app, any of that in regards to mental health, definitely check her out, tap in, stay connected. And we definitely will stay connected. We will be showing all your cool stuff. Please keep us updated on all the cool stuff that you are doing. And, um, you know, let's stay in contact. I think it's important. The work that you're doing is incredible. And, you know, we need to make sure that we get the word out. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you for being here. And again, with this being mental health awareness and trauma awareness month, we want to make sure that you guys stay as educated and up to date as possible. Um, tap in, tap into your resources and, you know, share, like, share, and make sure everybody gets the help that they need. And we're all taking care of our mental health and the people around us. All right. All right. Thank you guys. Have a great rest of your day.